you have your Bibles for just a few moments, take you to the word of the Lord, to the book of Exodus chapter 15, and then we're going to go to Numbers chapter 7. I was asked to speak at a men's conference Thursday and Friday night, and Thursday night, every preacher's nightmare happened to me. I... um, I had wrestled all day on what to preach and then finally I decided, you know what, I've got to preach something. I better get something. And so I worked on it a few minutes and then when I went to close my computer, I deleted it. And I'm talking about full panic set in. It is 10 after 7. Church starts at 7.30. I have a 20-minute drive to get to where I need to go. And I don't have a note one. And the Lord, it seemed like, the Lord didn't say it, but my humanity said, well, you know what? If it was in your heart, you wouldn't have a problem preaching it. The problem is at 64, almost 65, between my heart and my head, the, ar- the arteries have gotten a little bit clogged, so I, I need a little help. And then I took off, and I took off in the wrong direction, and you know what I figured out that night? It doesn't matter how long you drive in the wrong direction, you're never going to get where you need to go. Somewhere you have to decide to stop and turn around, and I did. Got there, walked in about 10 minutes, they gave me the service, and It was that nightmare. I pray God don't ever let that happen again. But as a preacher, sometimes you don't know. But I do feel very deeply what the Lord has talked to me about. And I pray that God will give me the wisdom to know how to speak what needs to be said. Let's go to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. And I'm going to read... Uh, verse number 17, if they can put it up here. He said, Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee. This was not a, a man idea. This was God speaking to Israel, saying, This is what I want for you. This is what will be best in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. Then turn with me to the book of Numbers chapter 7. Numbers chapter 7. And... um, I am going to read this particular chapter is the longest chapter in the entire Pentateuch, which are the first few books of the Bible. And it is 80 some odd verses long. And it seems strange when you read it, why the Lord would be so careful to record what happened the way he recorded it. Because once you start reading, it becomes evident that you're just repeating what's already been said. 
But it is in reference to what Israel brought to the altar. And what they brought as their tribe, as representative of their people. And he notes all of them. Verse number 13 said, and his offering, this was the son of the tribe of Judah, Nashon. And his offering was one silver charger. The weight thereof was an hundred and thirty shekels, one silver bowl of twenty shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. Both of them were full of fine flour mingled with oil for a meat offering. And it goes on to describe what else he brought. And then verse 18 said, And on the second day, Nathanel, the son of Zur, prince of Issachar, did offer. He offered for his offering one silver charger. The weight thereof was an hundred and thirty shekels, one silver bowl of seventy shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary. This is the place, remember, that God established for us. Amen. For us. And then it goes on to describe what they what they brought. And it's identical to what has just been written. And if you were a writer and wanted to use an economy of words, you could have just written the first one and then said, and all the others did likewise. But God took particular note of every offering every day. Verse 25 Verse 31, verse 37, and you can go on down all the way to verse number 86. Fourteen times, fourteen times it is mentioned that they brought their gifts and they were measured after the shekel of the sanctuary. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about God's safeguard for your life. God's safeguard for your life. Would you pray with me right now? God, help me to be a recipient of your word today. Give me the tongue of a ready rider. Give me words to speak to your people today, God. I feel such a hunger, Lord, to draw near to you and to hear from you. Lord, if we've ever needed your direction, if we've ever needed your anointing, we need that anointing now. I ask you, Lord, to help me today to be able to receive what you would say. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You may be seated. I want to help you, first of all, understand where you are today. Now, I know that may sound a bit facetious on the surface because many of you would quickly respond, I know where I am. I'm at greater life. And that is true, but that's only a minor detail. That's only a minor detail. The more important detail is what greater life this place 
represents to our lives. It has been dedicated to the cause and the work of God. We call it the sanctuary. We adopt that name because we feel about this place the way God intended for man to feel about that place that we read about in Numbers chapter 15. That there would be a place, a designation, a location where you could come, I could come, and together corporately we could we could meet with God, we could converse with Him, we could offer our sacrifices, we can give our offerings. The word sanctuary is first found in the Bible in that verse in Exodus chapter 15 and yet the idea is throughout the word of God that there is a place, there is a place. It is in reference to a specific place that has been set aside It has been designated as holy unto the Lord. The word sanctuary, its very root word meaning is to separate and to make sacred by its separation and to make holy by the fact that it is not like every other place that you might go. Can I tell you this morning that this is not like going to Dillard's. This is not like going to Walmart or Kroger. It's not just a destination. There's something more involved here when we come in to the house of the Lord. When we come in to the sanctuary, it's unlike any other place on the face of the earth. I wish that we could understand that more clearly today. That when I come to this house, I'm not coming just to brick and mortar and sheetrock and carpet and tile and texture, but I am coming into a place that God has said, I will meet you there. If you will focus on me, if you will reach out to me, then I will meet you there and I will speak to you there. Psalms 11 and 4 tells me that God is in his temple. I certainly believe he's in this place today. I have sensed it from the very beginning when I got here early this morning and even before then knowing that God was in This place, certainly it is not to be a place that we dishonor. If you want to see the anger of the Lord revealed, you will see it when he comes to the temple and he sees what man has made of it. John writes about it. You know, all the the gospels do not record all the same things. Mark records things that Matthew didn't say. Matthew says things that Luke didn't say. Luke says things John didn't say. John says things none of them said. And yet there is one thing that they all recorded, and that was his visitation to the temple. 
And what he did when he came in and he saw the money changers and he saw the, the animals and the, the, the doves and everything that was there that had desecrated that place and had made it a place of merchandise. And he took a cat of nine tails. He went berserk. He went crazy. He started swinging and slinging, running them out of the temple. He was so angry at what he saw going on under the banner of his name. He was so angry at the fact that they had taken something that was supposed to be holy and a help to them and they had made it nothing different than the marketplace. And then the Bible says that he sat down and they brought people to him and he healed them and he helped them. That's what should happen. He showed them what should have been going on in the temple. It was a place to be reverenced. My attitude toward this place is so very important. That's why I have to be careful that I don't treat it too casually. Amen. I hate the fact that so many of us uh, so, I say uh, so many churches have dumbed down church. And I, if that offends you, please uh, just turn around the other way and it won't rub the fur the wrong way that way. But we have dumbed down church. We have made church accessible for us. We've made church pleasing to us. And church is not supposed to be a place that's pleasing to me. It's supposed to be a place where God helps me. It's a place where God comes. It's the safeguard for my life. When I am in trouble, it's the place that I come and I find direction. When I'm hurting and I need healing, it's the place that I can come and find healing. When I don't know what to do, it's the place that I can come and find direction for my life. And I can feel that I matter to God. This sanctuary would come to play an important part in their life. It would be key to everything that they were. It was here that sacrifices were offered both nationally and personally. Sin was dealt with. Their failures were faced. They found understanding in that place. They found strength and beauty in that place. They found the hand of the Lord and it was here that they saw the Lord's glory. It was inspired by God himself. It was God's idea. What can I give man that could become a safeguard to his life? That no matter how messed up or chaotic or trouble or, 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 or whatever may happen in life, that there's a place that he can come, that he can write, his vessel, that he can reorder his steps, that he can reorder his priorities. Where, what can I do for man that will help him know that there is hope? And so God gave us a sanctuary, the intersecting uh, of God with man. The interesting part is that it was not a place to just make you feel good. I'm afraid that we have made church all too much about that. We have to have the right songs sang, and if they're not sang, we just sit there like a, 
a lump on a log. If, if, we, if the right temperature on the AC, we can't get into service because we're too hot or we're too cold. And I, I understand all those things are legitimate issues. But the reality is so often we miss in the confusion of all of that noise what we should really be here for. This is not a place just to make me feel good about myself. It's a place to help me get right with myself and get right with God and be right before the eyes of the Lord. It's the place to help me get it right. Because when you come here, there's aids to help you. For when they came to the tabernacle, it wasn't an empty place. It was filled with significance. There was the altar, the brazen altar. Didn't matter how they failed. Didn't matter what they had done. There was a place they could bring an offering to. They could sacrifice that offering to the Lord. God would accept that. It would be a sweet savor and their sins could be dealt with. It was there in that tabernacle and that temple to be, that sanctuary that the ark of the covenant, or more importantly, the ark of the testimony. You see, there's something about the ten commandments that we misunderstand. We look at the ten commandments as thou shalt not, but they are in fact the ten principles by which if you govern your life, You will live the best life. You will live the blessed life. You will live the prosperous life. That when you allow those principles to be ingrained in your spirit, then they elevate you. Amen. Those were God's testimonies. This is what God said I'll do. If you'll do this, I will do this. If you won't take my name in vain, I'm going to bless you. And so forth. The brazen laver was a place for washing. How many times have I just needed a place where I could come and be washed? Life can make you feel pretty dirty sometimes. It can make you feel unclean. But I'm thankful that there's a place that I can come and in the worship and in the word I can be washed. By hearing the word of God, something happens that begins to scrub away all of the dirt and the stain that I have accumulated in my life. I'm thankful for a washing place. That's what the temple was to be. It was the safeguard for their life. It was a place where they could bring their filthiness and be made clean. The golden candlesticks were there. The light of revelation. The showbread, which was symbolic of the society staining power of God was there. The mercy seat was there. If if there's any place that I need to know about mercy, it's in this place. I need to know that life is possible beyond my failure and that I have one who is standing in my stead. There was the altar of incense where worship went up. There was the pot of manna 
which was symbolic of God's provision. There was Aaron's rod that was there that had budded that was symbolic of the miraculous that God was able to perform. All of those things were in this temple, this tabernacle, this sanctuary. When they came here, there were these instruments that God had ordained to be a help for them. And there was the copy of the law that would give direction for them and tell them how to be blessed and how to live the blessed life and it was there for their protection it was there for their help it was there for their good the laws the ordinances the measures all for the betterment of their life it was in that place that God had certain standards by which every other thing was measured it was in this tabernacle this temple to be this sanctuary that God established an order of measure. If you were ever in doubt of whether it was genuine or it was enough, you could come to the sanctuary. And there was in that sanctuary an evidence that you could weigh your life, your offering, your sacrifice, and determine whether it was just It was here in this place that God established a measure for their life. Not to make them feel insignificant, but so it would help them come to a higher level of living. Everyone was treated equal in this place. The measure of the sanctuary was there to help regulate their lives, but more than regulate their lives, it was there to help bring order to their lives. And it was here in this sanctuary they found that measure. Every other thing in life could be measured by this standard, whether it was between man and man or God and man. In this sanctuary, he established a true measure a standard weight of measure by which all things could be weighed. It's mentioned in Exodus. It's mentioned in Leviticus. And as we read, it's mentioned several times in Numbers. It was the shekel of the sanctuary. It was a weight of measure, but more than just a weight of measure. It was a standard that God established in his sanctuary so that when you were not certain you could come and you could measure and know whether or not it was acceptable unto the to the lord it declares that this is right this this is the right measure and because there was a right measure there was understandably a wrong measure And it was here in this sanctuary that you could determine the difference between right and wrong. Amen. That's why this place is so important. Because I'm going to tell you, outside these doors, you're not going to understand what's the difference between right and wrong. Because as far as our world is concerned, there are no wrongs. There are no wrongs. Every man's right in his own eyes. But when I come in here, I can order my life. 
I can really get the right weight, the right measure. I, I know whether I'm where I need to be or not. I know whether God can bless me or not. When I come into this sanctuary, there's a weight. There is an evidence. There is a proof. Amen. There is an exactness. Everybody say exactness. You know, we have made God such a melancholy God. We have taken the fire out of hell and the awfulness out of sin. Yeah. We justify it. We belittle it. But when you come to this place, there's an exactness. Whatever your thinking might have been prior, when you step into the sanctuary, there's something in this place that said, oh no, that's not right. That's not the best way to live your life. That's not going to bless you. That's not going to strengthen you. That's not going to help you. That's a lie. Don't be deceived by that lie. And it was here in this sanctuary there was that exactness. And sacrifices must be according to the shekel of the sanctuary. Worship had to be according to the sanctuary. The the shekel of the sanctuary. God had certain expectations of man. And according to that shekel, there was this governance of their life that would show whether they were where they needed to be or not. It governed their relationship with each other. They were not to have diverse weights, which simply means that you can't have one weight of judgment against one person and have another one against someone else. You can't treat one person one way and another person another way. Or you cannot expect some things of other people but not expect it of yourself. I know a lot of people that are great at preaching to others. They just never get around to preaching to themselves. Yeah. But in this place, God has expectations. He, he measures the sincerity of my worship. I, I don't want to get too, too close to you, but I'm going to try to get as near as I can without making you mad. But God knows the sincerity of what's coming out of my mouth, whether it's coming from my head or coming from the ritual that I go through every Sunday morning or is it coming from my heart? A sincerity of thanksgiving. I'm so grateful to be in the house of God. I'm so thankful for His mercies. I'm so grateful for His love. I am thankful that He's not given up on me. I want my worship to be acceptable unto Him. (laughs) 
in Numbers chapter 7, what I want you to note in particular, other than it being the longest chapter in the Pentateuch, uh, and that it was repetitious, and that there were 12 days of it, what I want you to notice is that God took note of every day and each person that was involved, each gift that was given, God took note. I have no news for you this morning. God's been taking note already this morning. Yeah, he has. He's been taking note of what I've been offering him. And my question is, what I have offered him, is it what he deserves? Is he getting what he paid for in my life? Is he getting what he sacrificed himself for out of my life? Because if he's not, there is a measure in this sanctuary that will help bring me closer to that place I need to be and put me in alignment with his will and his purpose for my life. And each one, he noted, nobody's unimportant. Your worship matters. I said your worship matters. It matters to God whether you open your mouth or not. Yeah, you say, I'm not a singer. Oh, yeah. Uh, you just not, you're just not in the right environments. You'll sing. Oh, it may not be in, in these tunes and tones, but when we get out on the highway and somebody pulls in front of us, we sing. Ah. Yeah, when, when we don't get what we want and we get mad and we throw down and stomp and stamp and dump, jump and dump our, our mind on everybody else, we're singing. And the fact is, my song matters to God. What's coming out of my mouth, God's listening. God's taking note of it. And especially in this place, he notes everybody in this building. Even the child that lifts their voice and worships, God takes note. But Numbers chapter 7 tells me that God is interested in every one of us. He's interested in what I have to offer. So many times people say, well, I don't have their testimony. That's why they're, 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 they're so demonstrative because look where God brought them from. I don't care where God brought you from. You've got a right to praise him. You've got a right to be demonstrative. You've got to write, hey, I want to tell you what I thank him for. I don't have to thank him for deliverance. I get to thank him that he helped keep me from that so I didn't have to get delivered from it. But for those of you that were delivered, I'm going to rejoice with you because God is interested in your story and he's interested in your worship. Amen. It tells me that God is particular about our worship. That our worship means something. I know, I know we do this all the time. We got a set list. We got somewhere there's a, there's a program that we put together every weekend, every service. We're not trying to order God. We're just trying to have some kind of order to our own, uh, what we're trying to accomplish. But all of that is secondary to what God would want to do. 
But the, the fact is that God is particular about my worship. He knows when it's coming from my heart. And he knows when it's not coming from my heart. And he knows whether I'm sincere or he knows when I am just passing my time away. That shekel of the sanctuary tells me that he is particular about my attitude. Well, I don't like having a measure. I don't like that kind of pressure on my life. Amen. That measure is there for my good. It's there for my benefit. It's there to help me get to a better place. I'm not going to get there by myself. I've already proven that. When God leads me to myself, when God left you to yourself, what happened to you? It was only when I came into the house of God and I became acquainted with Him and I began to understand the significance of this place, this sanctuary. This is a holy place. This is sacred. This is special. There's nothing like it anywhere in the world. It's not just another room to meet in. It's not just a cool-looking design. This is the house of the Lord. And God is particular in this place about what comes out of my mouth, how it comes out of my mouth, what comes out of my spirit. I said that. I need to say that again. God is as interested in what comes out of your spirit as he is in what comes out of your mouth. Brother Macy told me he had to get on to some folks in his church and he, he sent them a little text. He said, it's hard for me to follow you in worship when I have to unfriend you on Facebook. And it's amazing, some people can get up and shout and dance and carry on and tear up Jack and then turn around and treat their wife or their husband like they're a piece of junk or talk to somebody else in the church like they're a, they don't matter that you're some little insignificant something and I'm somebody special. I'm here to tell you that God is interested in what comes out of your mouth, but he's just as interested in what comes out of your spirit, your attitude toward him, your attitude toward everybody in this building, and this sanctuary is a place where I can get that right. This sanctuary is a place where I can get my attitude right. Amen. Attitude adjustment hour. Now, don't act like you don't have one. Come on. You can be seated just a minute. I'm not through. Some of you wishing I were through. We act like the only person that has an attitude is somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, it's always you have a bad attitude. Well, it might do all of us good to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, what about your attitude? Maybe it's your attitude that's causing all the other attitudes to look so bad. You know, when you've got Limburger cheese on your lip, it's hard to smell anything worthwhile. 
That's not even in my notes. It did get from my heart to my head. God's interested in that church. Listen to me. This is where life gets real in this place. This is where God helps us become better people. It helps us elevate our lives. It brings us to the place where he desires us to be. This is where brokenness is healed. This is where hurts are healed. This is where confusion is driven out and order is brought to my life. Come on, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. God is interested in your attitude. That's really what he dealt with when he cleansed the temple. It was their attitude toward that place that made him so angry. They treated it like Kmart, Walmart, Super Saver, Aldi, Kroger, Walmart, Work. Yeah, it was just another place. No, 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 no. He said, I'm going to give you a sanctuary. I'm going to dwell there. But it's not just about me. It is about me. But it's about me so it can be about you. Because the reason I'm going to give you this is because it's going to become the safeguard to your life. When you're broken, you can come here. When you've messed up, you can come here. When you're hurt, you can come here. When you're confused, you can come here. And he said, there's this weight in my sanctuary where you can make everything right. Oh, would you just lift your voice to the Lord right now? Feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. We don't need to be afraid of this place. We don't need to avoid this place. We don't need to be intimidated by that measure either. It's not there to make us feel bad. It's there to help elevate us to a higher place. If my offering is not sufficient... Did I realize what I'm going to do to make it sufficient? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My attitude's not right, Lord. This is the place for my attitude to get corrected. Oh, God. When my life becomes measured by your standard. When my thoughts become measured by your standard, I realize I have to elevate them. (laughs) Oh, somebody hear me right now. Please hear me right now. The Holy Ghost is in this building not to condemn you today, but to help elevate your life because your life is lacking. There's an emptiness. There's There's something missing in your life right now. And the Holy Ghost has come in to bring you to a place where He can elevate you and help you add to your life what's needed so that the balance is there. Amen. 
Would you let God talk to you right now? Come on, would you let God talk to you right now? Hallelujah. God, weigh the actions of my life today. Hallelujah. It's a place where help can be found. It's a place where healing is had. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, pray with me right now. Everybody in the building, pray with me right where you are. Don't anybody, I want everybody praying right now. Come on, don't anybody just discard what God's doing. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. Oh, Lord, holy, holy God, come. Come. I need you to elevate my life. I've been living too low. I've been living too cheaply. I've been living too too carelessly. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, make it an altar right where you are. Make it an altar right where you are. Come on, God, I need you to help elevate my life. There's something missing in my life today. The measure is not right. There's something lacking in me. Oh, God, there's something lacking in my life. All troubles. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh Lord. And every heart can be mended. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. He's wanting to elevate you. Ah, yes. 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 Draw me close to you, Lord. You're not here to push me aside. You're here to elevate my life. When it's lacking. When it's missing something. You're going to help balance. Because there's a measure here. There's a measure here by which I can determine. Oh, yes, God. All There's a testimony of your goodness in this place, God. I should never question that. There is a testimony, Lord, of your mercies in this house. I should never doubt that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Listen to me just a moment. I'm going to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you are using COVID-19 as an excuse to hide behind your carnality. You're using this epidemic as an excuse for your coldness. 
But you've come into a place where there is a measure that has been placed. And you can find out real quick. Am I really living for God the way I know I need to live for God? Am I giving Him everything He deserves in my life? And that's what the Holy Ghost is speaking to you right now. And God's wanting to elevate your life above COVID-19. God's wanting to elevate you above excuses. The reason you're not praying, the reason you won't come to pray, you better pray right where you are. Because in this place is an opportunity for me to deal what's wrong with, with what's wrong in my life. It's an opportunity for, for God to put his stamp of love and affirmation on my life. I see you. I recorded your words today. I saw your worship today. Hallelujah. Come on right now, one more time. Would you lift up your voice to him? Holy Ghost, come. Let me stop hiding behind my excuses for my carnality. Let me stop hiding behind my excuses for my lack of consecration. Oh God, I feel something drawing me. I feel something tugging on me. There's a better man in me. There's a better man in me. And you're trying to bring that up, that out, that into fruition. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're with your family, would you join hands with them? If you're not, lift your hands to the Lord right now and say, God, I need you to elevate me to a higher place. I need you to elevate me to a higher place. Whatever is lacking in my life, whatever is missing, Whatever needs to be added to my life, God. Hallelujah. 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 